Hi everyone, welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, again, great to see you today. Glad uh, this is a part of your weekend. Thanks for being here. I uh, do want to mention uh, that we've got a big event coming up tonight. Our annual soup or bowl party is this evening. Uh, we've done this for years now. We put the game on the big screen. Everybody brings a pot of soup to share. Uh, there's games and activities for the kids going on in case you're not a football fan. Uh, but we hope you'll be here. We'll start about 6 tonight, 6 o'clock this evening. Game kicks off at 6.30, so that'll give you time to get the, get the crock pot in, get it plugged in, get you a bowl or tin of soup, uh, however it is you work, and, uh, and find a place to sit and enjoy the game and enjoy being with one another, and uh, we'll look forward to sharing uh, that time together tonight. I uh, do need a little bit of a, uh, some help getting set up for that after our service today. Uh, we need to clear this section of chairs and this section of chairs, stack those over the walls so we can set some tables and other things up. So if you could stick around for a few minutes after our service today and help, we would appreciate that uh, very, very much. Uh, this morning, I am beginning a brand new sermon series that I think is um, an extremely significant sermon series. And I'm glad you're here uh, to be a part of it. I'm glad you're watching online. I hope you'll be here throughout this conversation we have over the next five weeks or so. Let me kind of tell you how we got here. Uh, it was about this time last year. Um, I did a sermon series, a series of sermons that I called Soul Care. And a lot of you remember that. And the reason I know that you remember that is because the feedback that I got from you about that series let me know that that was one of the most important sermon series that I had done in Years And I think all of them are important, but I could tell that one really hit a mark with a lot of you, this idea of soul care. And I asked a question, uh, the same question that kind of in that song we just sang, the question was, is it well with your soul? Because I am convinced and I remain convinced even a year later that we have normalized a way of doing life that is not good for our souls. We've normalized a way of doing life in the outer world that is toxic to our inner world and our inner peace. And so the next part of this journey, this, if you will, this is kind of the 2.0 of that sermon series, which by the way, if you missed any of those, you weren't here yet, uh, you can go to our, our website, you can get on the archives, you can listen to those messages back from about a year ago. Um, the next part of this journey, we've talked about our soul, the next part of our journey is to talk about our minds. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about our minds, about what we think about, and about mental health. And we're doing this because I believe uh, that the church has something to say about this topic. This topic of mental health has become uh, much more mainstream in the last five, six years than, than it was even when I was in high school um, some years ago. I won't tell you how many. You can figure, you can do the math. Um, but this, this is a topic we talk about. We're more comfortable talking about this topic. And I think the church has something to say about it. I think the church should be leading in this conversation about our mental health. Uh, the title for this series, And Mine, is what we're calling this series, And Mine, comes right from the words of Jesus. One day, Jesus was asked, hey, all right, Jesus, Mr. Teacher Guy, claiming to be the Son of God, you tell us, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What is the most important thing that we need to do? And here's Jesus' response in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So that's the title of the series, And Mind. Now, I need you to know a couple things before we dig in too deep in this topic. The first is this. 
I'm a, I, I wrote the words a bit apprehensive. That's a lie. I am a lot apprehensive. I'm scared, silly, to do this sermon series. It really scares me to approach this topic. As a matter of fact, more than once over the last several months as I've been preparing for this series, and I say more than once, like two or three times a day for the last several months, I have tried to convince myself, skip it. Just skip it. We, we don't need to do this. You don't need the stress. You don't need to have this conversation. Just skip it. Go up there, tell some bad jokes, talk about anything else besides this. But I got to tell you, with a good conscience, I couldn't do that. Because I know this topic is too important. And too many people that I know, and too many people that I love, are dealing with this. So we need to talk about it. One of the reasons that I'm apprehensive um, to, to tackle this topic is this fact. And I, let me just say this out loud. Get this right off the mind. I am not trained in this field. I am not credentialed as a mental health care professional. I am not a counselor, nor do you want me to be yours. I am not a therapist. I do not have all of those letters after my name. What that means is I've had to do a lot of research, a lot of reading of Christian and non-Christian mental health experts, a lot of talking to people, a lot of listening to podcasts and sermons from preachers who were brave enough to tackle this topic in their churches. And so I, I'm coming at this as I, I'm learning. And I'm going to tell you, I said this last week, I'm preaching to the mirror in most of these sermons. The other reason I'm very nervous about this series is that, I want to be gentle here because I don't want to be misunderstood. The last thing that I want to do over these next five or six weeks is to increase the pain of someone who is already struggling in this area. So I'm going to ask you, church, I'm going to ask you for some grace over the next few weeks. I want you to hear my heart. My only intention here is to lessen the burden of people with mental health challenges, not increase it. So if I say something hurtful, please forgive me. And give me grace to know that was not my intention. And again, here's what I could do. I could play it safe. And we could just not talk about it. We could just keep this topic in the dark. But nothing gets better in the dark. That's the strategy of our enemy. God, though, brings things into the light. And so, out of a sense of obedience to God, out of a sense of this calling that I think the Holy Spirit's put on me to preach this series, we're going to have a conversation. And we're going to talk about mental health. And here's why. Here's why we're doing this. Because the struggle with mental health is real. Mental health disorders are now the leading cause of disability worldwide. About 40% of the adults in our country experience a mental health crisis or challenge in any given year. What that means is a lot of the people that I'm talking to right now have dealt with this. And if you haven't, I promise you, you know someone, you love someone who has. Now, this problem wasn't created by the pandemic. We like to blame the pandemic for this. The pandemic did not create this crisis. The pandemic only made it a 
well, really, it made a big problem bigger. The World Health Organization reports that anxiety and depression have increased by over 20% since 2020. And the data is even more alarming for young people, for our kids. A recent CDC study revealed that 42% of teenagers report feeling persistently sad. And 62% of college, recent college graduates report feeling overwhelmed and anxious. Here's what's interesting about this. There's no one-size-fits-all explanation for this crisis. You can read and you can listen to a bunch of mental health professionals, and it doesn't take long to realize that they are not all on the same page about why this, is, why this crisis is, it has raised its head recently. Or they're not on the same page about what we should do about it. If we were to, to have a panel of mental health professionals up here and ask them the question, both Christian and non-Christian mental health professionals, and ask them the question, is this problem, is it a nature problem or is it a nurture problem? They would universally say, yes, it's both. It's both. In other words, we live in a fallen world, which means our biology is broken by sin. And we live in an environment that is infected with dysfunction and evil. What that means is that mental health challenges can be rooted in many factors. Here's a few possibilities, a few examples. There's more than these. Here's just a few examples that could contribute to our mental health challenges. For one is our physiology. We have a genetic predisposition to certain kinds of mental health struggles. We can have chemical imbalances in the brain. That can be a factor. So our physiology could be a factor. Then there's relational stress. Some people grew up in very toxic family systems. Or they've been victims of a long season of bigotry or oppression or they've been consistently rejected by communities that they want to belong to, this can create mental health stress. And then there's just life experience. Now listen to me, this is important. Nobody gets an easy life. Nobody. Nobody gets an easy life. But some people have been particularly wounded by trauma. It might have been an event or an ongoing series of events. If you've been the victim of trauma, you know the impact of that trauma lasts long after the experience is over. Another factor in mental health challenges could be disconnection with God. Now, notice that I said could be. You got that word, right? Could be. I know, I know this is a particularly Christian worldview but I'm a pastor and we're at church. What did you expect? <laughs> There's a story in the Old Testament about a dark time in David's life. He was the king and he used his power as king to violate a friend's marriage. He slept with, well, probably sexually assaulted his friend's wife and then had his friend murdered to cover up his sin. And for a year, he kept that in the dark and he was disconnected from God later he wrote about that moment in his life in Psalm 32 he said when I kept things to myself I felt weak deep inside me 
I moaned all day long. David had a deep mental anguish because he lost his connection with God. Now, everybody's paying attention, right? Remember what I said earlier. I don't want to be misunderstood in this series. It's easy to be misunderstood, so please hear me. What I just said is that disconnection from God could be a factor in some people having a mental health struggle. I did not say if you have a mental health challenge, that means you are not a spiritual person. I did not say that. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he did not say that. Go ahead, do that. He did not say that. The reality is, and most therapists will agree, there's typically more than one reason why an individual has a mental health struggle. And listen, you can have a vibrant faith in God. You could be absolutely connected to God and have a mental health challenge. The second reason why we must have this conversation is because not talking is not working. Not talking about it is not working. Keeping this conversation in the dark is not helping. One of the most maybe disturbing is the right word, disturbing things that I've learned in my research over the last few months is that a person who struggles with mental health, and we're talking about Americans right now, we're talking about our culture, our, our society, our age, a person who struggles with mental health on average waits over 10 years before they admit it and they try to get some help. That's a long time. And men, can I talk to just the guys in the room for just a minute? Fellas, guys, we got a problem. We, we got a problem. Because we live in this culture that still stigmatizes mental health, and men, especially men, don't like to appear weak, and they won't admit that they're struggling. Brothers, listen to me. We got to get past this. We got to get past this. Our families need us to get past this. Your wife, your kids, your coworkers, your church need you to get healthy and be healthy. Now, nobody who struggles with mental health struggles in seclusion. Coworkers are impacted, friends are impacted, and especially our families are impacted. So let's get over the stigma and get the help that we need. We've got to bring this conversation out of the dark and into the light like the Bible does. Because the Bible is honest that the struggle, for, the struggle for mental health is real. You know, over half of David's Psalms, over half of the Psalms that David writes express grief and sorrow. I am personally convinced that David dealt with a dark depression most of his adult life. Listen to his own words. Psalm 6. I am worn out from sobbing. Anybody been there before? I'm worn out from sobbing. All night, I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. Psalm 13. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? Psalm 69. Deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. 
I just bet that at least one person in this room was just encouraged to see those words from Scripture. Maybe you didn't know that the Bible is that honest about how people feel. That great people of faith are honest about their mental health. Matter of fact, I've told you before, that's one of the reasons why I believe the Bible. Because the heroes of the Bible are flawed. They're not perfect. And if you were making up a story, you'd make them perfect. You'd make them superheroes. That's not the case. They're flawed. David did not hide his depression from God. He brought it to God as an act of worship. And the Bible doesn't deny, the Bible doesn't disown faith heroes who experience mental health challenges, like Jacob. In the Old Testament, Jacob, who no doubt experienced PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, when he heard, when he found out, and he thought that his beloved son Joseph was dead, he went into a state of grief that immobilized him for decades. Or, or Elijah, the prophet of God. He's on the run from Ahab and Jezebel for years. And he finally breaks down and he says to God, God, I wish you would just take my life. I'm out, I'm done, I'm over it. Just take me now. Or Paul writing to the church in Corinth about how beat down he was, about how tired and discouraged he was from a recent trip to Asia. He uses words like these, I was despaired, I was overwhelmed, I was crushed. And, and the biographies, biographers of Jesus, they don't hide this. Matter of fact, it, Jesus confesses his increasing mental anguish the closer he gets to the cross. That should tell you something. It is not a sin to deal with mental distress. And in fact, people with mental challenges are some of the strongest Christians I know. They're some of the most faithful followers of Jesus that I know. So that's the why. That, that's the why we're doing this. Now, now for the what. Because I've got some goals over this series, some things I want us to accomplish as we share this conversation. Here's the first goal. I think that it's important that we destigmatize having mental health challenges. We've got to do this first. We've got to destigmatize having mental health challenges because no one chooses to struggle with their mental health. And for those, the person in here who wasn't listening just then, let me say that again. No one chooses to have struggles with their mental health. And I think just acknowledging that one truth can make a huge difference in dispelling the spirit of judgment that has existed for so, so long, probably far too long. That spirit of judgment that seems to believe that my struggle below my neck is more worthy of your compassion than a struggle above it. In other words, if I were to tell you next week that I have a cancer diagnosis, you'd be concerned about that. You'd pray for me, you'd check on me, you'd see what you could do for my family, for me. But if I told you I was dealing with depression, you'd be like, oh, well, that gets better. And you'd walk away. Your concern should be the same whether my issue is above my neck or below. To see, dispelling this attitude will keep us from trivializing or over-spiritualizing someone else's mental health challenges. Here's what I mean. You trivialize their struggle when you say things like, oh, come on, it's not that bad. You just suck it up, buttercup. Come on, you got this. Look on the bright side of life. Don't worry, be happy. It's a cute song, horrible advice. Or we over-spiritualize their struggle when we say two things to them like, you just need to have more faith. 
you just need to pray more. Here's some Bible verses you should read. We over-spiritualize. Now listen, don't trivialize. Don't over-spiritualize. Emphasize. Empathize is the word I want to use. Empathize. Don't trivialize. Don't over-spiritualize. Empathize. And say, I'm sorry. How can I support you? What can I do to help? How can I help your family as you're going through this? Empathize. Galatians 6, Paul writes, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know, the, the, when Paul wrote these, he was led, guided by the Holy Spirit to write these words because the Holy Spirit wanted the church to hear these words. The Holy Spirit wanted this to be read by the churches because the goal is not to have a burden-free church. The goal is to have a church where people are free to share their burdens. And we can reach this goal. We can reach this goal of destigmatizing having mental health challenges. This is an obtainable goal for us over the next several weeks. Here's the second goal. I think it's important that we as a church family display, learn to display kindness to our fellow strugglers. Because despite what we like to say, nobody at church is completely fine. I know that's our word. We love that word. In every church, in every foyer, in every atrium, in every lobby, in every coffee shop, in every church across the world right now, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Doing fine, doing fine, doing great. Church is for fine people, isn't it? It's for fine people. If you're not fine, you stay home until you are fine. The reality is, every single one of us is not fine. Every single one of us has wounds. And the church is a community that can offer real hope to real people with real problems. We do this, listen, not by fixing each other, but by being the presence of Christ for each other. No. I don't understand everything you are going through. And no, you do not understand everything that I am going through, everything that I deal with. But listen, I don't have to understand to stand with you. We're compelled to do this in Scripture. Romans 12 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. We don't have to fix people. Matter of fact, we can't. Just love people. Be with them. Cry with them. Laugh with them. Studies consistently show, not just Christian studies, but across the mental health field, studies consistently show that people that go to church regularly, that have a faith family, experience fewer and less severe mental health challenges. Bob Robertson was an American journalist back in World War II. He was sent to London to cover the war for his paper. He quickly discovered that he was unprepared for what he would see in wartime. The devastation, the bombing, the dying, and it affected his mental health to the point he was having thoughts of suicide. His hotel was right across the street from a church that had been bombed there in London. And he goes to bed one Saturday night, depressed, anxious, 
worried, burnout, which by the way, we're going to cover all those topics in the next few weeks. He goes to bed on Saturday night. He wakes up the next morning. He hears a peculiar noise. Gets up, looks out the window of his hotel room, and he sees that it's people who have gathered in this bombed out church building across the street, pews covered in mortar and dust, and the people are gathered and they're singing praises to God. They're singing the hymns of faith together. And Bob Robertson wrote, it saved my life. I suddenly realized there's one thing that is indestructible and that is the presence of Jesus Christ in his church. The church and people with mental health challenges belong together. If you have a mental health challenge, you need the church and the church needs you. Together, we remind each other of how much we all need Jesus and his grace. And this, this is a reachable goal for us. This is something we can do. This is something we can achieve to extend more kindness to people who are having struggles because we all have struggles. Here's my third goal. It's important that we take steps in the direction of hope, faith, and health. I don't know where you are right now, but I hope in the next few weeks that you will be convicted that I am going to move in the direction of faith, of hope, and of health. You are made in the image of God, which means you have the capacity and the responsibility to pursue wellness. Wellness is an approach to life. And I found a bunch of steps that we can take to pursue better mental health. Not all of them are necessary, necessarily Christian things, if you will, but they are all things that help. Here's a few of them. A few things, practical things that you can start doing today to take steps towards progress, towards health. Here's some examples. Number one, you can see a doctor. Are you struggling with anxiety or depression or things just aren't clicking? See a doctor. Don't feel bad if you need to take some medicine. That's why it's there. I once heard a doctor say, you don't get a trophy at your grave if you live through your entire life and you never needed to take medicine. If you never took medicine in your life, we don't put a special you know, ribbon on your casket. That's not how it works. Doctors and medicine are gifts and graces of God to help us live life better. Another step that some of you need to take is see a counselor. I've done that. You might need to as well. See a counselor. Here's another one. Watch your intake. Now, this one has many variables. This one includes your diet. Studies show all of the processed sugar we eat is not good for our mental health. This includes not just your diet. This includes these stupid things that we're addicted to. They are devastating to our mental health your soul, I said this in the last year, your soul cannot do, you're not equipped to do life at the speed of your smartphone. You've got to watch your intake. Here's another one. Take a nap. Get some more sleep. The data is conclusive. Americans, we don't sleep enough. We just don't sleep enough. God did not create the late, late show. There is a direct correlation to how much sleep you get and your mental health. Get some more sleep. Here's another one. Go outside. Get a little exercise. 
I was amazed how many times I read studies that said just 15 minutes of sun on your face a day dramatically improves your mental health. But we've become a sedentary, indoor society, and it's especially impacting our children. And just one generation, kids have gone from a play-based culture to a screen-based culture, and it is having devastating consequences on mental and physical health. That's one of the reasons, as a part of this series that we're doing over the next couple months, we're going to have a special um, evening on March the 3rd. We're going to invite you to be here that evening, Sunday night, March the 3rd, for a special... we used to do these, we call them Sunday night seminars. We're going to do a Sunday night seminar on March the 3rd about developing a digital strategy for your home. And this is going to be very specifically geared to parents, um, but there's not a person in this room or watching this broadcast who will not benefit from being here that night and hearing the information. My wife, Megan, is going to lead that seminar. Um, many of you know she is working on her master's degree in school counseling, and she's done a lot of study on the effects of, of screens and digital, our digital society and young people because the, the, the research is just beginning to, to come into play, and we're beginning to see some results from that research. And so we're going to talk about that and help you as parents develop a digital strategy for your home. Uh, uh, the last two steps that I've got, these, again, these are practical steps. The last two steps are specifically for people of faith. So I'm talking to a church now, right, church? Here's the first one. Practice spiritual disciplines. This will help your mental health. Prayer, Bible study, journaling, worshiping together with your church family. Uh, these are important things. Do those things. Practice spiritual disciplines. And here's the last one. Choose community. Choose community. Now listen, this is not easy to do when you don't feel good but it's how God made you. It's how God made you. He made you to do life with other people. There's not a therapist, Christian or non-Christian, that will ever say, isolation is the best strategy when you struggle with your mental health. You need to be around other people. You need to be a part of a Christian community. Here's the deal. You cannot help me bear what I'm not willing to share because nothing gets better in the darkness. So let me close this morning with a story from the life of Jesus. It's it's a Sabbath day. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's teaching. He's people around. He's healing. And there's a man there in the crowd who has a withered hand. And Jesus asks this man to stand up in front of everybody. Then he says a strange thing. Stick out your hand. Jesus is going to heal this guy's hand. He says, stick out your hand. Why did Jesus do that? Jesus didn't have to see the hand to heal it. I mean, mean, the man didn't even have to be in the room for Jesus to heal it. Why did Jesus say, stick out your hand? I think it's because this man had learned to do life like this. It's easy to hide a withered hand. You you can't hide a, a, a... a lame leg, you you can't hide blind eyes, but you can hide a hand. And this guy had learned to do life, especially his faith life, especially life there in the synagogue, like this, hiding what was hurting. How many of you are doing the same thing? You're really good at coming to church and only letting people see what works and you're thinking oh Jesus Jesus if you would just strengthen where I'm broken then I can stop hiding 
And Jesus said, stop hiding what's broken and I will strengthen you. We talk about mental health because healing begins with revealing. And your first step might be to talk to a counselor. Make that phone call. Set that appointment. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. He gives grace to the humble, not to the hider. God did not design you to be the only person who would ever pray for you. Well, I better say that again. God did not design you to be the only person that ever prays for you. He gave us each other. And together, we can talk about mental health in the presence of God. So let me pray for you right now. If our communion team will take their places. God, I want to thank you for impressing upon me months ago the need for this series, the need for this conversation. Thank you for refusing to let me run away from it. Because we know, God, that you care about us, our body, soul, spirit, and mind. And in every way, God, you want us to reflect your image. You want us to pursue wellness. And you've given us a church where we can carry each other's burdens, but God, we're so good at hiding it. We're so good at hiding what's broken, not not talking is not working. So in these weeks ahead, God, would you give us more courage to be honest, to be real, and together to seek the face and the grace and the healing that comes from Jesus. Teach us to love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds. We pray in Jesus' name.